From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. All right, guys, we're going to get started here. So welcome to the World Cup edition of CXQA Live. And this week on the show, we're discussing the global nature of CX from an agent perspective. And our special guest once again is Fred Stacy. Welcome, Fred. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. I guess I have a second special guest, and that would be my hat. Um, but uh, at any rate, the hat's not got a lot to offer in the conversation. We're glad to have you, Fred. It's going to be an interesting one, I think. So on CXQA Live every week, we talk about how we believe agents are the single most important asset in CX and agents with the right training tools and connection with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business or brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business. They're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected. They're going to produce more and better work, and they're going to want to stay around and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And we call this the agent-centric contact center philosophy. Now, there are agents all over the world right now sitting in front of a screen with a headset on doing CX work. It's it's a global thing, right? right. Another thing that's global that's happening right now is the World Cup. And it's global in the sense that names from all over the world are watching their national teams compete against one another. And it really is a globally shared experience that only happens every four years. And when it's not happening, it's something that nations are hoping their team will get to be a part of. Right. And so there's all this passion and there's all this connectivity. There's, you know, not a whole lot of friends on the field between teams right? It's serious business, but there's a mutual respect between nations whose teams make it to the World Cup. And there is almost like a global cultural celebration that occurs surrounding the World Cup. And it's one of the most unique things in the world. The World Cup really is a global event. And as we said earlier, CX is also global. And it's global in the sense that agents from all over the world are helping customers from all over the world. And as technology has changed and evolved what is possible with work in general and human communication in general, it has only become increasingly more global as the years progress. Now, this globalness, if you will, of CX creates some unique dynamics and challenges for those who lead CX efforts, especially for those that have brands with agents that are operating outside their target geographical markets. There's a lot that we could talk about here, but I thought maybe we just talk about a few things, Fred. Uh, maybe yeah. we, you could talk about some of the unique challenges that you see that relate to the globalization of CX. Yeah. So unique challenges. It's interesting because I got to see early stage India really early stage Philippines uh, and the expansion there. And I've got to be involved in this market from a, a software provider um, with clients all over the world, you know, and now with the expansions in Latin America, South America, I think challenges, um, it shifted a bit, right? You know, at first it was, there was a lot of cultural training that had to happen. Um, and it was a challenge because, 
there was a bigger gap, right? And we've shrunk that gap just because of globalization in general, mm -hmm. um, because of technology, because of the Instagrams, you know, Facebook, westernized push. You know, I think there's there's still challenges in the the language side and the cultural side. You still need to do some educating, you know, to to understand analogies. You know, every country has unique things that they say um, that don't necessarily mean the same thing to someone else. But the technology and the globalization as a whole has kind of changed that. Um, and I, th I think there's also another interesting dynamic, which is the U.S. market. And I think the last time I was on, you and I kind of touched on this a little bit. I know we've talked about it offline. The U.S. market, the agents, there's a lot less people willing to work as an agent in the U.S. market, which means that you're going to naturally have to push, um, you know, across the pond. Uh, and I would say instead of the the challenge, the good thing uh, about globally utilizing agents around the world is that in a lot of places the agents love that job, and it's a great job, and it, they're looked at as the breadwinner for getting that job. And when someone is happy and and passionate about going to work. You know, they're just going to do better in CX. So I'd say I almost see that conundrum flipping a little bit because with technology and with advancements and with where we're at in the U.S. market, I actually see more benefits in, in looking globally to find your, your agents to man the, the phones, the chats. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I think the world has shifted. I just don't see the challenges that we had 20 years ago when we first started you know, the global expansion. And we had a, a lot of the challenges we did back then. In my opinion, I see much more benefit. No, I tend to agree with you. I think there are a lot of benefits that maybe aren't even talked about typically that, you know, I, I wanted to kind of bang those off of you a little bit, Fred. But, yeah, you know, one of the things that I think that's interesting to me before we move over to that side is kind of what you mentioned. And that is these uh, companies that have been doing global CX from the beginning, where yeah. the the offshore outsourcing began at scale, they really pioneered not just how do we make the technology work, how do we get people from India or wherever it might be to be able to talk to our customers. It wasn't even just how do we train them on what the right thing to say is. It became, and as you said, it's very very much aided by globalization in general, but it became sort of a cultural training that had to be understood how to help yeah. a person from culture A help a customer from culture B, right? And certainly that's a variable that still exists to the degree that customers are dealing with companies that have done a good job with that cultural training, their yeah. results overseas and offshore are, are much better, right? Yeah. But it's something that now there's enough experience and data out there to show the ROI on that kind of training. So when you open up a new country now in CX, it's done with everything that we've learned in the last 20 plus years about what it means to train a new culture to help serve the U.S. market. And there's been a lot that they've learned, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I you know, I always I know, I again, I was involved you know, with this, I've been in this space a long, long time, and I saw the expansion and the challenges. You know, I with uh, Dell and some of the early stage Microsoft going over to India, and the challenges of the language barrier and all the all the crap that came out of that, and people in the states struggled with it. And you know, but I think 
you know, I, I, I tend to look at, I hope I should say that, you know, when I go to my Starbucks or when I go somewhere locally, you know, I could get any type of language, um, you know, or accent. I, we're such a melting pot here. I really hope that that piece is no longer an issue, but the good news is even if it is an issue, they now have technology that basically simulates accents uh, and it's starting to become something that I think in five, 10 years, people won't even know whether they're talking to somebody down the street or talking with somebody, you know, across the pond. I think it won't matter. I hope, you know, I, I think the, the, the question is, is what kind of service do you get? Do you get your problem solved? Is it effortless? And, you know, can, can I walk away and just be done with it and never think about it because you gave me such a great experience? Um, For sure. For sure. I think, I think that, all comes that cultural disconnect that really was a lot more pronounced between the offshore cultures in CX and yeah. the typical American customer that was talking to those agents, that that gap ha- has shrunk largely because oh. honestly, we we got a long way to go as the United States of America in so many social issues in so many areas. Oh. But we've come a long way too. And yeah. I think, as you said, you know, if you can go to Starbucks and hear languages that are not your own and the accents and the, you know, the ethnicities and the cultures that are represented around us more and more, then that helps us to be better open and able to engage with a CX uh, agent that's on the other end of the line that doesn't have the same accent as you, isn't from the same part of the world. And the other thing I would say too, um, and this is where we're going to maybe start to pivot the conversation towards the opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, in some ways, CX and the exposure that many of us have had as a customer to people from other cultures, it runs parallel to this overall improvement in tolerance and ethnic acceptance, multi-ethnic acceptance in our nation, but has also helped to shape it. You know, dealing with people that aren't like you oftentimes is scary because there's the fear of other, but when you have good interactions and, and you realize that on the other end of the line is just another human, right? right? And they, it might be dark while it, for them, you know, with the sundown while it's light for you outside while the sun's up, but they're working to serve you. And that's yeah. their job. Just like you're going to get up the next morning and go to work or whatever the parallels may be. It starts to help to break down some of that sense of otherness when we have these good interactions with people. And I think CX has played a role in that as the globalization of it has occurred. And I would argue this is one of the unique things that CX has an opportunity to impact in general moving forward. And, and you know, the, what happens every year at the World Cup for the last several World Cups is conversations about global issues are occurring in the parallel side stages to the main stage that is the football that's going on. Right. Right. And, and that's a really healthy thing, I think, and a really positive thing. You know, this particular world cup has certainly not been without its uh, difficult side conversations that are going on and controversies that are not soccer related. Right. Right. Um, But I think CX with its global impact, global reach and global connection to individuals and cultures and economies has a unique opportunity to bring some of these conversations to the forefront. Yeah. I mean, look, I, you know me, I'm, I'm ultra positive and I like to hope that, uh, you know, we're, we're progressing forward. And unfortunately our nature is to, 
you know, and, and the press's nature is to focus on the negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what sells. But I think overall, um, you know, my experience of traveling globally and working with contact centers all over the world um, has absolutely proven uh, time and time again that, you know, we do have a positive impact. And um, sometimes it's taking countries from third world to, you know, first world. And sometimes it's, it's just really giving them opportunities to, to make a great living, you know, to have an impact and, and give them great cultures and environments to work with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think CX has, we have a, a responsibility, um, you know, because, you know, we're the ones out there bringing opportunities to these countries and, you know, we've got to, we've got to help usher that. But yeah, I mean, I, in the end, I, I hope that as a civilization, we all take the lessons and, and move forward. And I think, you know, the one thing I, that I kind of started to extrapolate as you were talking was, you know, the focus on CX itself has also helped us drive and get, give credibility and, and yeah. bring the technologies and tools and stuff that we need to expand. I mean, hell, you know, 10 years ago, you know, we were still trying to figure out what's the difference between, um, you know, going from premise to hosted to cloud, you know, 1.0, maybe it's 14, um, you know, and, and, you know, now, you can architect an entire system on a DAS platform, completely secure, turn up an agent across the world with just credential logins and have everything they need. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a different world. I think the technology is, is a tool that's helped us. Um, but the focus on CX at the executive level and the budget and all that stuff has had a definitely a positive impact too. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm thinking also about a conversation I had recently with a relatively large BPO who is starting to focus on something that's called impact sourcing. And this concept of impact sourcing is based around what really has been going on for quite a while in CX with globalization. But when you come to a point where you have two conditions, one being the current labor force and its economic needs are no longer a match for the business outcomes and you know the profitability numbers that need to be in place for that CX organization. And at the same time, you become aware of a, a new part of the world, a new uh, people group or country where the numbers that would work for that business outcome represent an enormous improvement in yeah. the work environment that gets created for any agents that would be hired into it. And so you're really not just looking at the business aspect of it. You're connecting those business aspects with the way that a culture is trying to subsist economically. And you say, hey, this is a win for both, right? This is a situation where we can meet our business goals. Yes, absolutely. And businesses are about making money and businesses are about, you know, making a profit and there's nothing unethical about that. No. As long as, you know, the other ethical frameworks that go along with it are also utilized and, and incorporated. But when you look at a situation where a person that say, uh, you know, working in a culture where the average hourly wage is the equivalent of two or three dollars an hour, and suddenly you're able to pay them 15. Mm-hmm. And now that person is able to change their life because they're able to do meaningful and good work that provides value to their company and to the customer that it serves. And then on the back end of that, they're now in a position where economically 
they've never had that kind of income before, right? Right. And and it changes cultures in some very positive ways by enabling those cultures to see a level of socioeconomic growth that otherwise would not be available. And I think that's a healthy connection. And I and I would argue that as we are moving away from a manufacturing economy, which we really have already done, right? By and large, uh, you know, I grew up in a manufacturing town where furniture factories and textile factories represented the vast majority of the jobs, right? And and it was very common in the United States to have entire communities built around the factories. And you, yep. you still see some of that in some parts of the United States, but it's much, much, much less prevalent for similar reasons to what we've talked about in CX. And then we moved into this uh, macroeconomic shift of being much more of a service economy. And now we're much more of an ideas economy. And so yes. the service economy is now also being outsourced. And so uh, it creates a number of dynamics where that economic benefit can be brought to other cultures where it currently is not. And, and that brings another layer to the whole globalization dynamic once again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a balance that has to, I mean, we saw it with oil, right. And I don't want to get into macroeconomics. I know that's not the point of the show, Um, but you know, I mean, there's, there's a point where globalization can also be um, if done improperly can be detrimental to a country, um, you know, when it comes to certain things that a country needs, but that's a more of a macro thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's all super fascinating to me. Uh, you know, I, I've seen countries, like I said, early, I got to see, um, I kind of started visiting India later in the earlier stages, if that makes sense, yeah. of their kind of growth into, uh, um, you know, outsourcing. Uh, and I got to see the Philippines, in particular, Manila, early, early stage, uh, and its growth and watching it over the years to become the number one place for agent seats in the world. Um, it's fascinating what it can do. Uh, there's no doubt. And we always miss it in the States. It's, not, it's very uncommon to have multi-generations under one household, whereas internationally, it's super common. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the overall impact of all generations involved in the healthcare and yada, yada. It's, I, I think it's a very important piece, but it's you know, the bigger BPOs, they, that's awesome that you know, they're looking at you know, the overall impact. And I think we have to. We you can't just be the old fashioned Jack Welch, you know, business leader by the numbers. Um, you got to figure out what you stand for and, you know, and uh, do some good. But like you said, you got to make money. I mean, fuel, the, the money is fuel for a company, right? For to sure. get to the mission, vision, you know, and, and the things you got to accomplish. So you got to make money at the same time, but you got to be a global citizen at the same time too. And and I think as employees of companies are thinking about the company that they work for, increasingly there are better conversations about choosing to work for a company that you believe in not only what they do, you believe in their why. And then you think that the how, how they go about it is indicative of the why, right? And so to, to be a part of a company that makes you feel good about what they add to the world yeah. And that there is an additional, you know, sort of layer there that honestly, you know, my parents' generation never even considered. It just wasn't what work was. Work is something that you do, and yeah. then you'd stop doing it when you're done, right? And the technologies have shaped society globally to the point that you have people working around the clock all the time. You know, the even in the helping professions where 
Um, and we talked about empathy for agents last week. It was a great chat and, and thinking about um, the helping professions in particular, but the way that those dynamics have shifted expectations for employees and, and the work from home and remote work uh, movement that was connected to the pandemic. I mean, there's so many things that are shifting here that, yeah. um, you know, I, I'm excited about the future, honestly. And I, and I think about the fact that the unknown of it combined with what we know that we have learned from the past provides opportunity for all different kinds of growth. And I think the profit, the revenue and profit side of businesses, as long as the metrics that help to govern that side are not neglected as we add value and values to the things that drive us, which companies are doing increasingly, and impact sourcing would be one example of that. Um, as long as we don't neglect the business metrics, I think we'll find the business metrics are actually improved as the why for companies and its employees runs deeper and people are more and more motivated and encouraged to be a part of the company. Yeah. Well, I mean, the studies show it, right? I mean, the statistics are all there and back it up. You know, companies that are driven based upon core values, um, they're mission vision driven, uh, and then they focus on the the employee experience. I mean, I, I did... I think in January, um, I had to do a bunch of research and I had a team do, do some research uh, for a speech that I was giving. And it's so fascinating, the percentages of increases in performance uh, in, in a company um, or just a team inside a company when you focus on the employee experience are huge. I mean, it just makes sense. So the financial models will always work. You just got to do it right, right? You know, I mean, so many companies... Everybody has a, a core values, mission, vision, but do they behave, you mm -hmm. know, in the in the ways that back those things up um, and and drive those? And if they do, and they drive a great employee experience, they'll create a great customer experience. And funny enough, they'll also be more profitable. Um, so it's crazy how that stuff works. But um, yeah. you know, I, it, we're in a in an experience culture now, and that's what it's all about. Um, and the companies that don't get behind that, they'll fall behind and, you know, eventually either get gobbled up or die off. I mean, it's just the reality of the world. It is. So I, mean, I, you, I too. You, you make a huge point there. And I think that word experience, right? It's, uh, it's often used and not as often understood, yeah. um, you know, because unfortunately it's become a buzzword and, and many uh, things are added to the front of it like customer or employee or whatever, but without really starting to understand the perspective of and the, the needs of the persons for whom you're trying to create a specific experience. And that might be the customer. It might be the employee, or in, in our case, we focus on the agent, right? So mm -hmm. what is the experience that the agent is currently having and how does that relate to their performance and, and then directly to the experience that the uh, customers having and, right. and drawing all those lines is a very different way of making business decisions than the way fiscally minded business leaders have made business decisions in the past. And, and so I think, for example, that's why we cr are creating an, a metric to help measure the agent experience because yeah. it, it really needs to be measured in some tangible way to be incorporated properly into a business case for a decision and, and then to see the correlative or causational relationship between that decision and business outcomes. But at the same time, there is this sense, I think, uh, that I see that more and more the, the two camps are dividing where there's the, the folks that 
kind of intuitively already feel this and know this, and they're pulling data from other, you know, agent experience uh, sources that are out there that are really more employee experience, and they're yeah. not directly related to the agent just yet. But there are isolated pieces of data that people are pulling from, and they're saying something needs to change. And then you have the the thought leaders out there that are talking about agent experience and so forth. But yet, for example, most software vendors think agent experience is a terrible way to sell their product. Yeah. And that that's very telling. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they look at their ideal client profile, like we all do in software. We map out who are our ideal clients, who are our buyers, who are all the influencers, what do they care about, what actually keeps them in their job. And they're just not drawing the connection yet. I, I see the employee experience or human experience or agent experience, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're super early in that stage. If you look at it in the schema in our market, CX and even omni-channel. I mean, hell, we've been talking about omni-channel for like 15 years, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and still, yeah, and we're still not there. You know, the digital transformations are not complete. Every company in the world hasn't already migrated to the cloud, uh, you know, whether it's their own, you know, dedicated cloud or internal private cloud or a public one, doesn't really matter to me. It's all cloud. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, back in January, February, I think when the Goldman Sachs report came out that uh, Fortune 500 companies, 80% of them were still premise-based for some of their telephony. Um, that just tells you everything you need to know because you can't integrate that ex- external. You can. Um, you can duct tape and bubble gum all that data and try to make it work to create a true omni-channel experience, but it's tough. And it's not going to last long, right? Because every one of the cloud vendors updates their software usually in sprints now, we all run cycles of sprints, right? Of two weeks and you're pushing out releases constantly. And sooner or later, that duct tape and bubble gum ain't going to hold up. Um, so, I mean, it's, I, I think we're super early in this, in this, uh, um, in the human experience discussion in our industry, it'll take as much time as, as anything else. The good news I, I see is today the the focus on artificial intelligence and machine learning and the advantages that that technology can bring as far as cost reduction and performance and agent experience and all the things uh, inside our, our industry. It's kind of forcing people to migrate faster. So maybe... Maybe we won't have the 10, 15 year run up um, that we have with all the other advancements. Uh, maybe it'll be shorter cycle. I'm hoping. Maybe. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I also think that c- having conversations that focus on these kinds of issues and, and bringing them to the forefront is a helpful yeah. way for those of us that see the importance of it to you know keep keep us on the right track, right? At the yeah. end of the day, you know, if it just gets lost to what the current way of measuring the data tells us, and that's the only conversation that we're having, and we're not bringing in the sense of intuitively where we are headed and where we need to head as an industry, then we'll stay stagnant. And the world's social world around us, the economies attached to them are not stagnant. No. Um, so the technology is changing society at a rate that companies have trouble keeping up with actually serving the needs of society because the expectations and the needs are changing. And so I think having these kind of conversations, you know, to, to talk about how it all connects at a macro level and, you know, what really matters within it, it's an important conversation. 
Yeah, you you know, I, I mean, I'm absolutely. I think we have to talk about it. It's our responsibility um, to be openly challenging all of us, including ourselves. Um, you know, and that's why I created the podcast, you know, Origins and Journeys was yeah. because people don't talk about the positives enough, in my opinion, in our industry. Yeah. I mean, I started as an agent on the phones. So all my guests started in different places and, you know, publish books and, you know, have their own companies now. And I mean, none of these people came out of the, out of school thinking I'm going to be in call centers, right? You know, but there's so much opportunity. I mean, there's so much opportunity in customer experience and contact centers and whether it's on the technology side of my path or the consulting side or, you know, the operational, it doesn't really matter. I mean, bottom line is I, I don't think we celebrate enough of the positives in our space and, and really encourage the next generation of potential leaders to, you know, that there, there is a real opportunity here. So. No, I agree um, with you. I completely agree. And, and I, and I'm excited to be able to have these kind of conversations and I would recommend any of our audience, whether you're with us live or reviewing the content later to check out Fred's LinkedIn and find his podcast. It's really great content. And it is honestly, one of the things I respect about it the most, Fred, is that there's always bad stuff we could point out and highlight in the world and in our industry. But, you know, the fuel for going another day, getting up and and going at it again, usually doesn't come from overanalyzing the negative, right? right. Uh, you, usually it comes from believing in a better future. And one of the ways that you believe in a better future is seeing positive things that are happening currently that represent improvement and growth. And that helps us as an industry and as individuals to believe in a better future that has yet to come that we can all work together to achieve. Yeah. And I think there's a um, COVID, uh, the world, the speed at which we move, whatever is causing all of this. But I think society as a whole, and especially the next generations, I worry about their mental, um, you know, mental well-being. And, yeah. you know, they, they've, they, there's so much confusing information out there right now. And um, there's so much that, that happened over the last few years that uh, so much trauma, um, you know, mentally to these, to these kids. I, I think you have to give them something, you know, that, that gives, that allows them to understand and focus that this is a long game. First of all, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in today's society, the instantaneous, um, you know, endorphin hits of a like, or a, you know, share or whatever, um, I think all these things are, are they, they, they're just pieces of the puzzle, right? But I think people don't look at the long game the same way that they used to. And there is a long game to this. I mean, hell, I've been in this industry for 27 years. I wasn't a success overnight and I'm still not done in my journey and I never will be. And I, I just, I mean, I like to think that, you know, we all have an opportunity to encourage, engage and impact those people coming up. And it's our responsibility to do so. Yeah, I I think we should end on that. I don't have anything more profound or better to say than that, Fred. And honestly, um, I'm just thankful you could join us and, and, you know, thankful for the overall conversation that's going on in CX and that you're encouraging it and that we get to encourage it and we get to collaborate on it together. And uh, I would say, as I do most Tuesdays, let's all go out and make the world a little bit of a better place today. And I'll end with Go USA. Go USA. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you soon. See you, Fred. Bye, everybody.
To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.